In this episode, we learn all about Steve. But really, can anyone learn all about Steve? Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Brock Mahan. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Elliot is gone. He didn't die. Enough about Elliot. <laughs> what's, what's Brock's story? <laughs> well, no, let's uh, just for a second. Elliot is out in California. He's sure he he's, is. Pr- he's laying the groundwork for his wedding. And what a groundwork! Mm-hmm. He's like he's like John the Baptist for his own wedding. He's pairing. <laughs> Um, That's how prolific he is. Mm-hmm. Is that he? He uh, not only is he the savior of his wedding, he's also the uh, the hype man for it. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like my wedding two twenty ten bitches. That's what hype man does. That sounds right? a lot like yeah. a lot, a lot if John the Baptist came back today. That's exactly what he would sound like. But uh, Brock, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Stuart was asking you beforehand, and I said save it for the podcast. Well, I mean, I th- we've done one of these before, and I don't remember all the stuff about Brock, and I want to build, you know, I really... All about Brock? Yeah, I want to be all about Brock tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm a TV writer. Uh, I wrote for a show on uh, True TV called The Smoking Gun Presents the World's Dumbest. Uh, I'm also one of the editors of a publication that Dan McCoy is a frequent and prolific contributor to called Wim Quarterly. Um, that, uh, Issues available. Yes. Uh, Wimquarterly.com. Buy them, please. And uh, at one store in Brooklyn, if you uh, make your way to uh, Desert Island Comics in in Williamsburg, there's exactly one copy left. Really? Yeah. Well, that's 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 good to hear. You should you you should run, don't walk. Yeah. To that to that store. Yeah, there's only one copy left. If one of the listeners gets that one remaining copy, we should probably give them some sort of prize. Absolutely, yeah. Send us an email at uh, the folks yeah. at whimquarterly dot com, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll figure out something from the archives to send you. Yeah, um, yeah. Brock was with us once before for uh, for Paul Blart Mall Cop, and when we asked him to come again, he said, "All right, but I want something. I want a really bad movie this time." And I'm very pleased that you kept up your end of the deal. <laughs> yeah. No, we. Spoiler alert! In spades, we came up with a the Razzie Award winning "All About Steve." Spoiler alert! <laughs> Wait, is it a spoiler for the podcast? The fact that we yeah, watched yeah, "All yeah. About Steve." Guess what? We're talking about a movie. Yeah, yeah. We have, well, we haven't gotten to the I, big well, reveal I think about that, what movie we we're going to watch yet. I mean, it'll probably be in the title of the the podcast. Oh yeah, and you put the like movie poster. Yeah, I usually put all the information on the website. What's the movie poster for this one look like? Uh, I assume Sandra Bullock uh, figures in it prominently. Okay. Maybe some red boots. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, yeah. Is it, do you put like a link to the movie trailer? Or do I have to go to IMDb for I that? I put a link to the Wikipedia synopsis okay. on the on the page. Because sometimes I feel like we are remiss in giving enough synopsis information for people to follow along. Mm. So I just feel like if people really want to know what's going on, they can go to Wikipedia beforehand and then they can understand what we're saying about the movie. I mean, like, you know, I got—I want to address this. Uh, our mutual friend Brad 
uh, Stewart. He's, he's no friend of mine. <laughs> okay. He uh, he criticized us about sometimes getting off the topic of the movies. What? And there's a lot of digressions in the Flop House. What? And I think that the thing is, like, to me, the Flop House has always been a comedy show. Wait a minute. That's about movies. Wait a minute. But I think Dan. Brad thinks it's a movie show about that's got some comedy in it. Wait a minute, Dan. Your cat is climbing into a box right now. That's adorable. <laughs> okay, well, I'm. Okay, uh, that's point sort of, illustrated. It's a sort of digression <laughs> that I'm sure Brad is talking about. I mean, if this was a video podcast and we could show the cat going into the box, I think well, that everyone would agree that Okay, it's let me describe it. It's hilarious. And wait, the cat's now smelling uh, the table. Okay. Which, believe me, is more adorable than going into the box. Yeah, that's <laughs> totally. Well, now that we've uh, wait, an- what were we talking about? Now that we've angered Brad by spending uh, 12 minutes up top describing okay. something about the cat that he can't see, uh, we watched all about Steve. Okay. Stewart. A comedy, rom-com, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, in the absence of Elliot, would you like to take lead on synopsizing this movie? Well, I was going to make Brock do it because oh, he's our guest. Oh, holy shit. All right. And because I don't pay like close attention to these movies. Yeah. Um, all right, I'll give it a shot. Well, uh, for starters, I learned much less about Steve Wozniak than I thought it was going to, <laughs> uh, which was disappointing. But um, all right, well, I guess it's the story of uh, uh, a crossword puzzle editor, mm-hmm. um, uh, a cryptoverbalist, I believe. Yeah, someone... Um, Someone who writes crosswords. Uh, and uh, she's very good at her job. Uh, she's very good at cranking out crossword puzzles, but somehow can't get that same order into her personal life. Uh, mm. She lives with her parents. Uh, she has had little success. Her parents, Howard Hessman and the lady who was in charge of Sparkle Motion yeah, and Donnie uh, Darko. That was, that was the guy from... Uh, that was the guy from from uh, heavy w- class, right? Mm-hmm. Well, also WKRP in Cincinnati, Doctor um, Johnny Fever. But he was in head of the class, right? He was. Mm-hmm. He was the Before. non. He was the non Billy Connolly guy. In Just head as class. Francis Ford Coppola was the director of Jack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right. So this, yeah, this cryptoverbalist, this crossword puzzle uh, editor, um, lives at home with her parents. Uh, mm-hmm. Is in, uh, is striking out when it comes to uh, to finding uh, physical companionship of the opposite sex. Uh, okay. So her parents decide to set her up on a blind date uh, with. The is it tic- ever is it ever established, by the way, how they know Steve? No, it isn't at all. Okay. Yeah. Um, I assume they seem like cool people. That might be just one of their young friends that they like to make. Yeah, I mean Howard Hessman's involved. Maybe he he's like Steve's dealer. Mm. It's possible. Sure. Anyway, like a dealer of what? Um. <laughs> Oddities, curios. I was thinking thinking marijuana, but it could be rare books. Sure, why not? He does have a striking. Howard Hessman in this film has a striking resemblance to uh, Allen Ginsberg. So uh, Mm -hmm. it could be. You know, that that seems like something he would deal in. Yeah, uh, rare first volumes, uh, leather bound Mm -hmm. volumes. This Steve character seems like he would uh, partake in those. Yeah, he Mm -hmm. seems like a reader. Yeah, a real renaissance man. That's what yeah. I think of when I think of Bradley Cooper. I think chiseled uh, chiseled abs and pecs. Mm-hmm. I think ridiculous gelled hair. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think of perfectly manicured uh, chest hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, Come on, Dan. Can I you keep it up? think keep of in the air. Wet Hot American Summer. Uh, okay. So continue, Brock. Please. Okay. So, um, so yes, uh, Bradley Cooper, uh, a.k.a. Steve. Um, 
they go out on their blind date. Mm-hmm. Um, he meets uh, meets Sandra Bullock's character at uh, her parents' house, and she is immediately smitten. Uh, so much so that she has to go upstairs to her bedroom and redo her entire wardrobe. Yeah, uh, to make it more hookery. Yes, I think that's the only way to describe it. <laughs> Although, uh, weirdly enough, she has uh, she does have a believe it or not, she has a few character quirks. Uh, one uh, one surely being, not. I know it's shocked me too, but uh, one of them is that she wears, uh, I guess, like knee-high red leather boots all the time. Platform uh, boots, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she's clearly because they make her uh, ten toes feel like they're what was it like like ten friends on a camping trip together. Mm-hmm. So the, the you know, spoiler alert that that's why that's why she wears those boots. Thanks that mystery is solved. <laughs> yeah. You know, you'll be wondering all through the movie why does she wear those boots, and then at the end, there's a monologue that explains why she wears those boots. I thought it was because she worked part time for a foot fetish website. <laughs> it's possible. I don't think that you know writing uh, crosswords is a very lucrative profession. So she needs to put work part time as a foot fetish model. Mm-hmm. Sure. And being a crossword puzzle editor, she probably knows the exact term used to describe. Uh, a foot model fetishist. And yeah. by the way, crossword puzzle writer, um, bullshit quirky <laughs> job for a bullshit quirky rom-com. Anyway, go, carry on. Uh, okay, so she goes up. She changes her outfit. Uh, uh, Steve uh, decides, you know, okay, let's let's go to a restaurant. Uh, they get into their Jeep, and, and Sandra just cannot contain herself. Like a dog in heat just pounces mm-hmm. on this, uh, the, this poor Steve. Um, you know, uh, uh, mauls his face with with kisses. Yeah, uh, it's, would she it's, be a cougar? I I don't think that this movie wants us to think that she is a cougar. But looking at her in this movie, I mean, she like, technically probably, she seems right? like a cougar. Yeah, I mean, how old was she in Demolition Man? I don't know. I mean, she's you know, she's not in the spring of her years anymore. She's still an attractive lady, but they do not make her look attractive in this movie. Okay. I mean, particularly when she doffs her top, because you can you can see the like the the wrinkles in her sternum, like her 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 breastbone is clearly visible through the thin sheen of skin. It's her most prominent feature in yeah, that scene. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that yeah, uh, things get hot and heavy. Uh, the the top comes off, and uh, so for some reason that's never quite explained, Bradley Cooper starts to get turned off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's almost immediately after he places both his hands on her breast. So I assume it has something to do with the, the shape and texture of, of her mammary glands. Uh-huh. Um, or brassiere. I mean, come on. It, it's true. It was pretty tacky. knock her small boobs. Oh, you think it was the size? You think it was the size of her breast? Yeah, duh. He's <laughs> okay. a dude. Okay. God. I mean... You know, some gentlemen like a proportional breast. They aren't uh, large breast sure. fetishists like you are, oh, Stuart. Okay. Uh, yeah, sorry about getting derailed, Brock. Let's That's fine. Move on. I know that I do a lot of digressions about mm-hmm. things and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, so Bradley Cooper immediately, I have to get out of this situation. Uh, you know, I'm feeling like the audience. This is the most unsexy thing I've ever witnessed or been a part of. Yeah. Uh, so he makes up a lie because he's a... Uh, a TV news cameraman. Yeah, he needs a smoke bomb out of there, right? Exactly. Uh, and his smoke bomb comes in the form of a fake phone call saying that there's something going on in Boston. and okay. uh, Beantown. Sure. USA. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> now, I'm just, now I'm just derailing you not to make any valuable contributions. No, that was hilarious, okay. Dan. Well, sorry, continue. Um, okay, so so there's breaking news in Boston. Uh, I got to go. I really wish you could come, but unfortunately, the news is my mistress, and uh, I must heed her beck and call. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next day, 
uh, Sandra Bullock uh, is is still swooning over this this chance encounter in uh, in uh, uh, I guess like an '88 Bronco uh, with no backseat. Right. Sure. Um, uh, a real love mobile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, this dry hump on top of softball equipment has, has been so uh, mind-blowingly erotic that uh, I'm now... That's not a euphemism for a <laughs> package, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, uh, she decides, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a crossword puzzle all about Steve. I'm going yeah. to, uh, to... Titled all about Steve, in exactly. fact. Exactly. And uh, I'm going to... I'm gonna hey, isn't s- that the title of the movie, Dan? Holy shit. Clever stuff. Continue, bro. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm going to deliver this crossword to to my editor. He is going to print it sight unseen. It's going to go out to uh, to all the 7,402 readers in the Sacramento area, uh, and uh, and this is how I will declare my love for Steve. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, uh, due to his own incompetence, uh, her editor uh, sends this out without proofreading it, of course, uh, and uh, instantly blames Sandra Bullock for his mistake and fires her on the spot. Um, thus making her uh, now free to travel about the country and follow her new true love, Steve. Where are they going to get the rest of their fucking crosswords from? Like, I'm sure a- there's a syndicated crossword okay. uh, you know, service. I don't buy it. <laughs> you are going to replace you her with Sudoku or you don't buy that, Fox or some shit. You don't buy that every newspaper in the country doesn't have their own dedicated crossword writer. <laughs> yeah, like the city of Sacramento. <laughs> sure, okay. Yeah. So yeah, she follows uh, Steve around. She, you know, like, there's a three, there's a three-legged baby. There's a big controversy about a three-legged baby. So she yes, follows him a there. Story big enough that uh, apparently this this major news uh, television news syndicate that's based in Sacramento sends their one reporter out to cover Thomas uh, Hayden Church. Yes, played by Thomas Hayden Church. Uh, Wings. <laughs> yes, that's his most significant role. You will not talk about oh, him right, being Lowell. in Sideways. You will not talk about him being the Sandman in Spider-Man Three. Lowell from Wings. That's that's how we all know Thomas Hayden Church. Okay. Uh, so yeah. So the majority of Act Two is is uh, is Sandra Bullock uh, tracking down uh, Steve wherever he may uh, wherever uh, his assignments call. Yeah. yeah. Various news stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's a crazy stalker, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and like then, all crazy stalkers, she develops a following of weirdos and quirky people. Yeah, weirdos. Including, including DJ Qualls yeah, DJ. from one of my favorite movies of all time, The New Guy, where he plays the titular character, who is, in fact, a new guy. <laughs> he is a new guy. Yeah, DJ Qualls and Katie Mixon from uh, the hit HBO series Eastbound and Down, where she uh, is the love interest for one, uh, what's his name? For, uh, uh, for Kenny Powers, yeah, played Kenny by Powers, Kenny McBride, yeah, mm. a, uh, a Jody Jody Hill joint. But anyway, so uh, how like how does this all come come to a head, Brock? Uh, so yeah, they they uh, Sandra Bullock uh, keeps tracking uh, tracking down Steve wherever he goes, uh, goaded on by Thomas Hayden Church's uh, Hampton Hughes, uh, the mm. dashing newsman who Hartman Hartman Hughes. Hartman Hughes. Yes, I'm sorry, an even stranger non name. <laughs> Uh, who apparently takes some sort of perverse pleasure out of torturing Steve by goading his stalker on him. Yeah, there's no motivation uh, established, but uh, Thomas Hayden Church... Other than comedic motivation. Well, no, I mean, like as you said, uh, Stuart, you're like, I would totally fuck with my friends if they had a stalker. And Thomas Hayden Church... Morning to all my friends out there. <laughs> that seems to be his own only motivation. He pulls Sandra Bullock aside and he's like... Look, Steve's in love with you. Don't don't listen to him if he says any words like 
kooky or crazy or lunatic like sure. you know just steve wants you just follow him around the country and he takes great joy in uh letting sandra bullock know where steve will be at any moment in time so she could follow him and harass him mm-hmm. sexually yeah, pretty much. Uh, they, they, they wind up in Texas, where a, a rare hurricane-tornado combination is pounding the Galveston area. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, they run into some cicadas. Uh, yeah, there uh, are cicadas in the movie. Then, uh, I guess, yeah, after the, the tornado, what, they, uh, they hitch a ride to uh, somewhere in Pennsylvania, I believe, where a, a school class of deaf children have fallen <laughs> into a giant sinkhole. Yeah, there's, a, there's an abandoned mine. What? They must have not heard the sinkhole. They, they did not hear Boom. the sinkhole. Boom. Hilarious. Yeah, you, you showed those deaf children. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of deaf children fell into an abandoned mine, and there's a whole, like, there's a baby Jessica times 10 situation going on, um, and Thomas Hayne Church is out there, and, uh, yeah, and uh, Sandra Bullock following Steve comes... And she comes and she runs. She's like, she sees Steve across the, the meadow. And he looks good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I finally, after so many days of traveling across the country, I'm going to be reunited with Steve. And she runs across the meadow when she, when towards she Steve. Said it, when she said it, it was kind of higher pitched. And she managed to fit gonna, in a lot of, I'm gonna, a lot Steve, of trivia, more trivia. Uh, you know, as, as Voltaire said, I will. I disagree with what you say, but I'll defend your death the right to say it. No, I like and, it. Good. And he, she runs across the meadow and she falls down the fucking sinkhole. Directly into it. It's not yeah. like a rim shot. It's, it's you know, it's swish down the mine yeah. uh, to its... Uh, I was expecting her legs to kick out comically. <laughs> no, she runs directly into a hole. <laughs> like, there's a reason that everyone's there. And, like, there's there's firemen, there's, there's a big crane, Which, but she runs right into the hole. Not to get off on too much of a diatribe, but uh, is apparently one of the motifs of the film which everybody is terrible at their job. Mm-hmm. Sandra Bullock's editor uh, publishes her crossword puzzle without even looking at it. Uh, these news, uh, <laughs> these uh, Thomas Hayden Church's uh, 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 newscaster uh, is, is more than willing to just make up stuff on the spot. Uh, <laughs> at, at some point, Bradley Cooper drops his camera. Um, mm-hmm. there's, uh, a, there's a bus driver yeah. who deliberately leaves Sandra Bullock by the side of the ro- road mm-hmm. just because she's irritating. Yes, these uh, the, the, the teachers that are guarding this class of, of deaf children let them aimlessly just run ahead of them. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then they miscount the number of deaf children that get pulled out of the hole. Yeah, there's no buddy system here. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just there's one child who is still down there when Sandra Bullock falls down into the hole. Yeah, when she does like a Pepe Le Pew, like floating on winds of love after Bradley Cooper yeah. and falls down the hole. But anyway, uh, you know, to wrap up the story, uh, Sandra Bullock uh, figures out a way to do like a counterweight thing with the, uh, the, 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 the crane. Like the crane has already like fallen halfway down the sea hole, so they can't use it normally, but she figures out a way of like using it as like a pulley and like pulling a counterweight. And uh, Thomas Hayden Church has like jumped down the hole because he feels guilty about luring Sandra Bullock out here so she can fall down the hole. And so uh, Sandra Bullock just adds a few more rocks to the counterweight and she gets up out of the hole. Apparently, it was a rock mine. <laughs> yeah. And she, but not until after she's had her like. Smeagol and Gollum like moment where she you know she talks to herself for a while in front of this deaf girl mm-hmm. and the deaf girl says that she talks too much well she doesn't say that she signs it mm-hmm. it's not the but same. that's the irony of it oh right yeah 
But uh, then at the end, Bradley Cooper um, has come to realize that Sandra Bullock is special and not just in a mentally like uh, deficient way. Uh, in the words of the TV newscast that he overhears, uh, she's crazy smart like Ted Kaczynski. Uh, and yeah. he thinks that's an unfair characterization. Of totally her. unmotivated. This other this other channel. Ted Kaczynski is, was smart in a completely different way. This other channel is smearing Sandra Bullock for no reason. This woman who's just fallen down a hole. Like that's all they know about her. Like Granted, oh, this- she fell down the hole because she's an idiot. <laughs> or or very unobservant. But then they're like, "Oh, she's crazy, crazy smart, like this, uh, this, this homegrown terrorist." Mm-hmm. Uh, Bradley Cooper defends her by saying she sees things other people don't mm-hmm. see, which does not include holes in the ground, <laughs> because other people see that, but she's quite oblivious. But if it, anything, uh, you're better off in life being able to see holes in the ground than any uh, sort of hidden insight into people's souls or uh, or uh, you know erudite knowledge. But Sandra Bullock makes her way out of the hole. But if she hadn't fallen in that hole. That deaf girl probably would have gotten eaten by chuds or magman <laughs> sure. or some shit. More people. No, it's fine. It, it, she, it, it was also the good, but uh, and also uh, Bradley Cooper learned that uh, you know Sandra Bullock had something to offer. Yeah, a lesson. But they do not end up together. Weird. They, there's not enough. You know, there's not enough there. Where's the rom in this com? There's no rom. There's no, no rom in this com. Uh, Sandra Bullock is uh, hoisted on her. On the shoulders of her supporters, who just support her basically because she fell down a well. You know, like, that's it. Like, it's baby Jessica all over yeah. again. Aspiring politicians fall down a hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I think that Ace in the Hole taught us that <laughs> years and years and years ago. But uh, And Bradley Cooper looks on, shaking his head, as if to say, like, oh, Sandra Bullock. You know, yeah. wicked smart, but we can't have a relationship. But but God bless her. Yeah. You know, God bless that She probably that crazy would have been girl. pretty good in bed, though. She would have been. She would have been a demon in bed. Yeah, like <laughs> stay on. <laughs> nice. That's that's pretty crazy. Okay. Um. So yeah, that was pretty much. The, oh, Jason Jones is in this. He's funny. A lot of fucking people are in this. Carrie Kenny Silver from the state in Reno nine one one has a small sure. role. As we said, uh, DJ Call, Katie Mixon, uh, MC Ganey, as people know, is a uh, Mister Friendly from Lost. Was sure. in this movie as a trucker who gave Sandra Bullock a ride. Good casting. Wait. Yeah, like. The the as I said before, like the below the line cast is amazing on this movie. Uh, Keith David, Keith David, <laughs> as you might know uh, from many video game voiceover works. Yeah, or the guy that uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper fought with and they live. <laughs> sure, but uh, he was the boss of Bradley Cooper and uh, Thomas Hayden Church. Like a really a, a strong cast. They all they all read the script for all about Steve, and they're like, "Sign me fucking up." And I might point out that uh, yes, Steve's boss is terrible. He, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, just to continue that theme, he frequently puts things on the air live without any sort of pre-taping <laughs> or without any sort of uh, coaching as to what's actually going to be covered. That sounds uh, about right. Yeah, there's a there's a thing where there's a hostage situation where like there's a dead horse, and Tom Saint Church is making a big deal about the dead horse, but apparently the dead horse is just trained to fall over when he hears a gunshot and there was a backfiring car and so that was a big story that went out live it was a very unfunny scene that we all had to watch yeah. <laughs> which i uh, uh, pardon the question again but uh how much longer is a backfiring car going to be able to be a comedic trope i mean nobody has standard transmissions anymore it's all automatic cars don't backfire anymore you're ruining uh, me living in this neighborhood, Brock, because for the audience, for the, for the people who don't know where I live, the, the, all, which would be all of the Flophouse audience, um, I, live in not a, 
I live in not a terrible neighborhood, but a neighborhood where I constantly hear things where I'm like, are those gunshots? Sure. And I tell myself that they're backfiring they're cars, and you're telling me cars, they're... champagne popping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody <laughs> listening to the TV too loud. And we should also fight. fill in that Dan does live in a neighborhood that has lots of champagne popping going on. Lots <laughs> to celebrate in this neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. Life has been good to everybody who lives around these parts. Brooklyn. <laughs> So you're, uh, yeah, you're telling me that those are all gunshots. So, all right, thank you mm-hmm. for that. Anywho, so, uh, at least they're not like crossbows. Mm-hmm. That'd be weird. <laughs> that would be <laughs> You'd weird. Be on the lookout for vampires or some shit. Yeah. If I heard a lot of bolts whizzing through the air, <laughs> yeah, like crossbow bolts. Yeah. Um. So speaking of crossbows, okay. The presentation of crosswords. In this film is a little strange to me. First off, Sandra Bullock, as we said, uh, rom-com. She has to have a quirky job, and the job that they gave her was crossword writer. Yeah, that bothers you. <laughs> it does bother me. Well, there's a lot of weird stuff. Like uh, the first scene that we see her, you know, interacting with her editors, her going in and insisting, like, "Hey." We could do crosswords five days a week, and it could be like the times, and like there'd be an easy one on Monday and a hard one on uh, you know Friday, and and uh, and the guys like, um, yeah, we were a small newspaper, we can't do crosswords every day, we every weekday. So apparently, there's just one crossword a week for this newspaper, and I think that most newspapers that carry a crossword actually have crosswords all through the week. I yeah, think that's typical. So people will you know like. We'll read it every week and do well, I think that, the crossword. I mean, as print fails, like the crossword is actually something that is still popular. People actually care about. It. I mean, it's you know now that Sudoku has come along, it's less popular, but people care about the crossword. So that was weird to me. Number one, uh, number. It's also, it was weird to me that then he used that as a an opportunity to uh, not only edit her her work but also edit her life the way she lives it, uh, <laughs> saying, "Why don't you be more normal?" Yeah, like, why don't that you go out and have quote. a date instead out, of coming yeah. out with extra crosswords? Why don't you go out to uh, Chili's and get yeah, a ni- have a nice meal? Mar- margarita night. Yeah. It's ultimate margaritas at Chili's. But also, the, all of that, Steve, as we talked about, this crossword got through the... We got greenlit. <laughs> got through the editing process. Yeah. I mean, uh, there were there were... You know, questions like, you know, number one across would be something like Steve's eye color. You know, like number two across would be like, what Steve's lips taste like. What was strange was people's reaction to it, though. Because we first see the reaction before finding out what what the crossword actually was made Mm -hmm. up of. Mm -hmm. And people are like, this doesn't make sense. Well, well, that like, was what's fine. What's going on here? But that does, what doesn't make sense to me is that like it's pretty clear that they just don't know who Steve is. Like, what color are Steve's eyes? Yeah, like I I don't know who the fuck Steve is. Like, I does it's not that it doesn't make sense. Like, it's not like they're trying to have me make, make a crossword in like three dimensions or something. Uh-huh. That wouldn't make sense. But like, <laughs> that would blow your like, fucking mind. <laughs> I would just be like, well. I don't know who Steve is, so that I'm not. I can't answer this. Yeah, this it's, is a bu- too difficult. it's a bullshit crossword. It's too difficult, is what I'm trying to say. It's not like they broke the the, the laws of crosswords. I think that, no. I think it actually is more like they broke the laws of crosswords because, like, when you when you do a crossword, Yuli's gold wasn't one of the questions. Well, no, but you're entering into you're entering into a pact with the crossword writer. Like, okay, this is this is general knowledge. This is somehow knowable. Yeah, yeah rather than like this is about a guy that I met. <laughs> 
But, although I would like to see Will Shores put together something about a guy he met. <laughs> if only just to see that, that window into his soul open up. Well, These are the people he hangs out with. He has a sure. mustache, just like Steve, or just like Will. Yeah. No, but what bothered me more was, like, in that montage, like, it started out, like, normal. Like, people, like, you know, doing the crossword on the bus. Like, oh, I hate this crossword. This doesn't make any sense. But then there was literally a scene where... There, it was a bathroom, uh, and all of the people in the bathroom stall. It, the camera panned down from one person in the bathroom stall to the next person, and the next person, and they're all apparently doing this crossword at the same time, complaining about this crossword. And this is a town where like crosswords are the bee's knees. Everyone does the crossword, and apparently everybody uses the toilet at the same time because <laughs> yes. there were no empty stalls. <laughs> Yes, everyone does a crossword while on the toilet and ta- discusses that's why the crossword they're all because that's what they're doing is working the crossword in the toilet. Mm-hmm. In this day and age of like portable electronic devices, you would think that there wouldn't be quite as many people that are going nuts about the local papers crosswords. But yeah, then, I, do, I do the crossword on my iPhone, but I do not do the local crossword. Oh really? I you do, do whatever. Like a fancy crossword? <laughs> I just, sure. Whatever. I, well, I mean, as a sure. New York as a New Yorker, I have to say the local crossword is too hard for me. <laughs> oh, okay. I do the onions crossword, which is easier. Okay, that's good. But anyway, Uli's gold on there a lot. <laughs> you and Uli's gold. It's a great movie, dude. <laughs> sure. So, uh, what else is going on with this movie? <laughs> I didn't really care about the crossword stuff, and uh, okay. there wasn't any romance, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. Funny. Was there any I mean, romance? Jason, I actually I laughed at a couple of the Jason Jones jokes. Yeah, Jason mm-hmm. Jones acquitted himself well. I mean, game. We, we were talking about how it was bad that Elliot was. It was good that Elliot was not here because Elliot may need For to make make fun of uh, his coworker Jason Jones. But Jason Jones was one of the bright spots in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, he came out of the movie relatively unscathed. I feel like Ken uh-huh. Jeong. Ken Jeong of. Uh, the Hangover sure. fame, uh, Knocked Up, uh, TV's Community. Yeah. He was in this movie. Kind of kind of a boring role for him. Yeah, now. very boring. Mm. Um, nothing to really say about him. Um, if you ever want to see uh, Ken Young as a uh, as a straight man, rent all about Steve. Yeah, if you're if you're tired of him like doing crazy funny improvs where he's yelling <laughs> about stuff and uh, wanted to just be like uh like a pussycat character, mm. this is the film for you. Also, if you want to uh waste an evening, you can also rent this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Similar thing. If you want to hit yourselves in the balls with the <laughs> hammer, you could watch this movie instead. If you don't have a hammer. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. for the, I guess the same feeling? Is that yeah. what you're going for? <laughs> That's okay. what I'm saying. Sure. It's equivalent. If you ever want to see Sandra Bullock slide down a banister in nothing but a towel and a bathing cap. Why would she think that's a good idea? She's coming out of the bathroom. She's put a the towel around The actress or the character? <laughs> well, anyone. Anyone. A anyone involved in the film. She's coming out of the bathroom. She's had a bath. She has just a towel around. And she's going to slide down a banister. And literally... You her can imagine wet. you don't slide very well. No, but like also she she slings her leg over. You can imagine her bare vagina is what is sliding down this banister. You you're looking at me, Stuart. I'm just I'm thinking about a bear's vagina right now. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought you were looking at me as if you weren't imagining that, but that's that's the only thing you can think about. It's like she's nude and she's sliding down this banister. It's an image that gets stuck in your head and it makes you realize why some people have sex with Nazis. 
<laughs> I guess you're right. If you've ever wanted what dro- what's, uh, what drove a man to to uh, to to stick it into some white supremacist tattooed lady, uh, uh-huh. it is that that scene in the film. Topical. Oh right, the the uh, the cowboy feller uh-huh. that she was married Jesse, to, Jesse James. Yeah, of the James Gang, <laughs> famous. Uh, he, he, he famous fell out of bank robber. He, he fell out of the time machine, right? <laughs> Into a tattoo and, parlor and, mar- and married Oscar winner Sandra Bullock and Razzie winner, right? Yeah, she won she a won Razzie. One of them for Razzies. No, we should talk about that because um, she is desperately committed to this part like she is really pouring her heart and soul into this and the movie is not giving back to her like the, 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 this is an ill-conceived uh role i this role is supposed to be lovably quirky but you watch this film and you're like this woman has a mental disorder of some kind like she is way down on the asperger scale like she has a uh, disability Right. No, clearly, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's and not. It's not our bad highlights. <laughs> <Okay>. Boom, Boom. <laughs> zing, boom, hairdresser. Uh, now, I was, you know, I was about to make a comment like it might not be fair for her to to get a Razzie because I mean her part's just written really poorly in a really poorly written movie in general. But and, I mean, and as people reported, she was a good sport. She showed up to the Razzie. She accepted her Razzie in person. And I guess, I guess. It, when, when you when you're nominated for an Oscar, like it's not like they're like, oh well, you know, the only reason they're winning is because they got like the part was written really well. I mean, mm-hmm. so I guess, I guess it's her fault. For Certainly her. not true for the Blind Side. <laughs> Zing, boom, man, good one, dude. Right, anyway, well, regardless, I mean, she's still a producer on the film. She has <laughs> the power to rewrite stuff if it's not yeah, working. Yeah, there's, there's a certain yeah. amount of culpability. Here. Yeah, yeah, it was really bad. Um, she wasn't <laughs> she wasn't funny at all. There's a lot of uh, failed attempts. Like I haven't not. La- I mean, it's it's tough for for a woman to be in a kind of like a physical comedy, like a comedy in a man's world, Stuart. In a man's world, absolutely, which is physical comedy to some extent. Um, and I mean, like it hasn't it hasn't been since we watched Dirty Love together that I've I've seen a woman <laughs> try to do like wacky gross out comedy or just wacky comedy and fail so badly. Yeah, and it'd be like ridiculously painful to watch. Oh God, this movie, guys! But yeah. but this movie didn't feature a scene where Jenny McCarthy is slipping around on her, her men- menstrual blood, blood. In, a, yeah. in a grocery store. <laughs> that did not happen. No, I mean, this I, movie I, did have a tornado in it for some reason. There was a tornado. It had a tornado and and Sandra Bullock falling down a well. Two things that I did not expect to see in all about <laughs> Steve. Yeah, actually, that, those were surprises. I mean, um. I didn't uh, spend 20 minutes of this movie in the bathroom crying like I expected, so that was kind of uh, a surprise. Scrubbing yourself? Yep. <laughs> Scrubbing the dirt off. But uh, I just can't get clean. I got to see uh, Sandra Bullock's likeness carved into an apple, which is something that I never thought I'd see. That's true. You, uh, you yeah. do get that. Uh, uh, yeah. DJ Qualls' character trait is uh, he somehow makes a living selling apple carvings yeah. of famous people, like Mother Teresa uh, and... Uh, <laughs> Skinny thespian DJ Qualls. That's his quirky uh, job in this film. It's a living. Mm-hmm. Pays well enough to get bumper stickers made. Sure. Yeah. Which is the last thing you see before the car disappears into a volcano. I mean, uh, a tornado, <laughs> rather. Wait, there's a volcano. Oh, man. Yeah. I didn't even see the cicadas. They're saving that for the sequel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, and Sandra Bullock great. will somehow be able to reconstruct it uh, out of the wreckage, like she did in this film, when the car disappeared in the tornado. Yeah, yeah, they fixed the car. Oh, man, I don't even <laughs> want to talk about that. This movie, I mean, in a way, this movie felt like a weird... Like, the movie wanted to be kind of a parody of a rom-com. You know, like... I, I feel like okay. Try and sell me on this idea. Dan. I feel like it's two steps away from being a smarter movie. That's like, hey, you know what? Every fucking protagonist in a romantic comedy is actually uh, mentally ill, and what they're doing is stalking, and it's crazy. But this movie did not have the courage of its convictions because halfway through the movie, they start making Sandra Bullock a lovable misfit. And at the end of the movie, Bradley Cooper is like, oh, you know what? She's just, you know, she's just a sweetheart, you know? She's, she's, she's people, people don't understand her. She's smart and she's funny. She's great. And someday she's going to find someone who really makes her happy. You know, but like up until that point, like it kind of felt like it wanted to be a little smarter than it was and be like, you know what? These people are fucking loons. And you should uh, be f- afraid of them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, all the other the way the characters uh, up until about the midpoint of the film react to Sandra Bullock's character is completely rational. I mean, they they openly tell her to her face that she is insane and that she shouldn't <laughs> be behaving this way, and you know she is uh, acting like a sociopath. Uh, but and that she makes a lot of these choices that are typical romantic comedy choices, like just up and like running along to go see this guy. And, like, even the world starts going against her a little bit. Like, the bus driver's like, man, this fucking bitch is crazy, and kicks her off the bus, or, like, tricks her to get off the bus. And uh, it's almost like the world is trying to, like, show you that this person, like, that kind of behavior is not going to actually succeed for you. Yeah. And in a way, it doesn't, but it's still, it's terrible to watch. Oh, God. I don't know. I think that we uh, we need to shut it down, guys. I think we need to make our final judgments on this film. Okay. So, uh, to sum up again, for people who don't listen regularly, the categories are, is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie that you actually kind of liked in some way? Stuart, I'm going to go to you first, because you were staring pensively off into the middle distance while wearing my hat. Um... I, I'm actually kind of divided on this one because it is a terrible movie and it isn't really that much fun to watch, but there's enough stupid stuff in it and enough stuff that is really questionable. A lot of the decisions are questionable that it makes it like you kind of want to watch it because it's kind of fun to watch this terribly made movie. And a lot of people that have been good in other things, like Keith David, for instance, uh, getting a chance to act in a, in a movie, so I, I can't I can't completely say one or the other. This is a terrible movie, though. Okay, it doesn't really work on any level. <laughs> Brock, what do you have to say? About I it? would say that this is a bad, 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 bad movie. Okay, uh, there. Uh, uh, if it's 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 good if you want to be infuriated by mm-hmm. uh, by loose threads that are never explained uh, <laughs> by the fact that it could not have been written if not for Wikipedia the uh, the amount of trivia that is crammed into uh, Sandra Bullock's dialogue uh, I did not it's enjoy not really this. dialogue though it's mainly just monologues yeah it's it's, it's as if her in, inner monologue is somehow being broadcast uh, to the viewers uh, such an irritating principal character. Mm-hmm. Like a character that every time she's on the screen, it makes you want to go into the other room. And that's a large portion of the movie. Yeah, true. Uh, I'm going to go 
you know, it's going to be a full spectrum. I'm going to I'm going to give this a marginal good bad rating because I feel like it's a weird this movie's a weird duck. There's like individual jokes in it that are actually genuinely funny because like somewhere so, someone involved in it had like some instincts to do like smart things. I mean, like it's there's good casting there's some like really like wacky stuff that is kind of funny, but like those good jokes are not connected to anything larger. Um, as a movie on the whole, it's like completely ill conceived. The main character, as we said, is a lunatic who you don't have sympathy for because she's just irritating and she doesn't have any like social sense of of anything at all. However, like. Part of the movie like wants to be a little subversive and uh, you know point out the fact that she's a lunatic who you should not be sympathizing with. But then the movie goes soft and you know wants to have it both ways and have her like be like a lovable misfit. But there's enough stuff in it that's just like so ill conceived that you have to see it. I kind of want to recommend it as a as a good bad movie. The thing is, is that it's like there's large chunks of the movie what where they're trying to get across this message of like, oh, just be yourself. Like, mm-hmm. oh, Sandra Bullock, this quirky person. Like, oh, like, she's she's an original, but no, in fact, she's like an autistic person. And not to say anything bad about autistic people, but like, you don't want to be one. Like, <laughs> Well, if you had the choice. Yeah, I, like, I, but what I'm trying to say is you're not like, I want to be like a crazy autistic person. Like, nobody's going to say that. Not even an autistic person. So... I don't I, like there. That point doesn't work, like because she's not just like a quirky, creative person. She's a person with a handicap. Mm-hmm. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna hear from a lot of people with autism. I feel like after you've. Uh, I'm sorry. Crisis averted. Uh, it's okay. All right. Uh, well, let, now now that that's that that's been done, I'm gonna move on to a sort of mailbag. This is not technically the mailbag. This is. We're going to talk about some of the comments um, on the last episode. Okay. Uh, first off, we got a comment about um, about what, how we were looking for Flophouse babies. People okay. who, who were conceived during the Flophouse. <laughs> and uh, Guardo, the gentleman who, didn't, who has the Hotcakes podcast, who couldn't remember my name for a while, but then apologized for not knowing my name. Sure. Uh, says uh, memorable, I guess. Yeah, no, that's, we've established that. Stan, right? Stan McCoy? <laughs> all about Stan. <laughs> and by the way, this film, um, you know, all about Steve, not that great, but uh, certainly better than the uh, magnificent Stan- Stanbersons, and, uh, <laughs> but not quite as good as uh, The Postman Always Rings Gary. So <laughs> I just want to clear that up. But uh, Guardo says, uh, just a comment regarding Flophouse Babies. My wife is pregnant with our first child, who was conceived via IUI, intrauterine insemination. Congratulations. Yeah, congrats. Uh, but he says, since the podcast or since the procedure was performed on a Monday, it's possible that the conception did take place while I was listening to the podcast. Uh, more specifically, it would have been the Dragon Ball Evolution episode. I've been racking my brain to figure out a way to name the child, regardless of sex, after all of you guys. Is there a single name... <laughs> That captures the spirit of Dan, Elliot, and Stuart, or do you guys happen to all share a middle name? That would be crazy, man. What I would recommend first is to talk to your wife about this one. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Uh, Eldanuart. <laughs> yeah, Eldanuart. <laughs> that's there's something very medieval about that name. <laughs> I think sounds like a forgotten knight. I think that's the. I think that's currently the fifth most popular male name. Uh, um, it sounds like a, like a title like the title of a Spanish robber. <laughs> Eldanuart. Uh, yeah, we meet again. I you know I don't want to take anything away from this uh, fine gentleman because. You know, he's the only one who's so far um, responded to our call. Conceived for... a baby to well, listen to the plot. <laughs> exactly, best. but I don't know. I don't know whether this counts. I don't know whether um, whether insemination counts as well, conceiving count? to the flop. Well, it's not like they were fucking religion while doesn't the have to come house. into this, dude. Well, I don't know what you. I don't know what you're saying about religion. Oh, okay. I thought I you want, were saying something about. No, religion. I'm saying that I want okay. people to be. In, involved in the carnal act of love while listening to our show. I want to think of us as like facilitators. We set a romantic mood. So you're more interested in finding out the people that have sex while listening to our podcast I'm rather more interested than in, the actual creation of children. No, I, look, childbirth is a miracle, Stuart. Yeah. No, no doubt. <laughs> but I want to hear the dirty, dirty stories of okay. people fucking like, okay. while listening to our show. That's okay. what I want to hear. Cool. Yeah, that's. A, I mean, I mean, Brock, you can understand this. Well, right? I think my main concern is that why would you ever deprive the world of a little Guardo Junior or Guardo the <laughs> Second? Uh, I like that. Yeah, it's, it's such a I great name. Uh, you don't need to. Yeah, you don't need yeah. to make it Flophouse related. Yeah. I mean, you have a name like Guardo. It's a beautiful. Pa- name. Pass it on to the next. <laughs> but, it's uh, a musical. Yeah, I, I also too want to hear dirty, dirty stale uh, tales of banging to a podcast. Yeah, I so, mean, I think about Elliot while I do it. Is that does that count? <laughs> That's the only way you can maintain an erection. Yeah, that. Oh, I don't. I, I'm not going to keep talking. <laughs> so, um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna run through. Like we had a lot of comments in the last show. I'm gonna run through. Um, is that a, like a good thing or? A... Well, no, it is a good thing. Okay. But there there was a request. We should do a, a Flophouse movie minute of your depressing recipes. Oh, okay. Oh, for wait, what was depressing about your it? unemployment recipes? Oh, okay. Um, as one of the commenters says, uh, Matt, he says, uh, I was trying to remember all of Stuart's recipes from memory last night and could only remember the grilled cheese hamburger one. That's a good one. Yeah. What? Uh, what is that exactly? Well, it was, no, okay. Uh, what you do is you make a you make a you you've had a hamburger before, right, Brock? <laughs> I okay. have. Well, uh, I'm going to flip your lid. Imagine instead of two buns, okay? Okay. You have two grilled cheese sandwiches. And then the burger in the middle? Burger in the middle. Now, let's take that a step further. Okay. Instead, of, instead of bread, you have Red Baron frozen pizzas. <laughs> okay? Okay. And instead of cheese, you have, like, cream cheese or, like, Gruyere or Brie. And then in, for the bottom, we're going to make this even crazier. You have two Oreo pizzas. Okay? The dessert pizzas. <laughs> Okay, and instead of cheese, you have, uh, I, well, I mean, you still have cheese. Uh, probably cheddar. I think cheddar. Yeah, cheddar goes well with most sweets. Something to add. <laughs> you know, like, like an apple pie with cheddar on yeah. it. Yeah. So that's, that's the, that's, and then you have, obviously, you know, 100% ground beef. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually go a little bit lean sometimes. Instead of beef, I use bison meat. Okay, because that's a little better for sure. Yeah, a little healthy. Or a little yeah. ostrich, maybe. <laughs> mm, I prefer the bison because it makes me feel more like a, like yeah. a guy who just killed a bison. <laughs> sure. You feel like you're depleting one of the natural resources of this great land. Yeah. Well, what about an ostrich, dude? <laughs> well, They're endangered the, too. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not indigenous. 
though. Well, so. yeah. I mean, if I was Australian, it would be, right? Okay. Well, sure. Fair enough. Anyway, we're going to continue. Uh, <laughs> we're running low on time, actually. Apparently, we had more to say about uh, this film tonight than I thought. Madness. But um, there was the, the message boards were on fire, Stuart. Yeah, they, were. <laughs> they were on fire about Back to the Future Part 2. And they were all in agreement that I was right, that there was a paradox in Back to the Future Part 2. I just recommend that everyone listening goes to um, theflophousepodcast.com, www.theflophousepodcast.com, and reads the comments about uh, Back to the Future Part 2 and the paradox inherent in it. Are you talking to our, our listeners or yeah, like me? Ta- I'm, ta- <laughs> I'm talking to specifically to you, Stuart, because you seem so disinterested in my long digression about you, Back you to Biff the Future. Your Biff-world argument? No, it was not a bit. You, go back and listen to The Law-Abiding Citizen. But there was a there was a commenter that said uh, specifically um, that uh, he finds it amusing that all of the uh, the comments about uh, on the on the message boards were about Back to the Future and not Law Abiding Citizen. That was uh, well, apparently that was like an open and shut case. Like there was nothing more that can be said about Law Abiding Citizen after. Yeah, what we but said. there's so much, there's a rich vein. To dive into with the Back to the Future films. Yeah, law-abiding citizen, you've been served. <laughs> Stick a fork in that mm-hmm. movie, it's been properly Step cooked. up to the streets. <laughs> sure. Uh, are we going to watch... There's a 3D one of those coming out. Are we going to oh, watch that? Holy shit, we are going to... Well, that's the summer. It'll be weird, though, because... Wait, can we watch in 3D on the TV here? We might have to go to the movie theater. We may have to go to the movie theater and do a flop Excursion. Uh, field trip which we'll we'll let everybody know when we're going so we can get a theater bursting with Flophouse fans (laughs) sure i'm sure that'll happen um now the next thing that we do here is we talk about movies that we actually enjoyed um just to make us seem less like jerks um and so brock i know that you've uh you've put a lot of thought into this i have um yeah this is a movie that i saw recently with uh with elliot um uh it's uh it's entitled A New Leaf. Um, it's uh, written and directed and uh, uh, starring Elaine May. Uh, it's one of her first uh, uh, filmmaking efforts. Uh, it also stars Walter Matthau as an uh, incredibly, obscenely rich uh, millionaire who has lost all his money through his uh, profligate ways. Um, and he comes up with a, a deal with his uncle who hates him, uh, basically Loan me uh, $50,000 for the next six weeks, um, and I will find somebody that I can marry and then live off of for the rest of my life. Uh, and uh, what, what Walter Matthau then uh, hides from his, his, his uncle is that uh, if he doesn't find a wife within six weeks, he is going to kill himself. Uh, hmm. So it's a, a whirlwind tour of uh, all the, the freakish women of, of high society. Uh, and eventually, right before the end of the six weeks, he finds... Uh, uh, Elaine May's character, who is uh, who's quirky but charmingly so, uh, and a botanist. unlike Sandra Bullock, exactly. It's uh, the the quirks are maintained. Uh, she actually shows proficiency at her her job, which is botany. Uh, she is uh, you know uh, constantly uh, and appropriately using metaphors related to her job. Unlike Sandra Bullock in this film, uh, who is uh, amazingly adept at talking about crossword puzzling in a. Uh, uh, a vague and uh, <laughs> unappealing, n- yeah, non-specific way. But uh, anyway, um, to get back to a new leaf, which is a, a very funny, very, uh, very entertaining film, uh, I re- would recommend it highly. It's uh, uh, after Walter Matthau falls, uh, or, or 
attempts to woo Elaine May. He decides that he's going to kill her and, uh, 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 you know, uh, take over her estate. But um, as time goes on, realizes that he, you know, uh, he has second thoughts about his his course of action. Uh, It it also stars um, a surprisingly sexy Doris Roberts, um, which is uh, a side of her that I never thought I would see. I'm not surprised. Mm. (laughs) Okay. But uh, but yeah, very entertaining. Uh, it's it's a rom com uh, that is heavy on the com, uh, which is uh, will be a nice palate cleanser after anybody who uh, dares to watch all about Steve. Well, I haven't watched anything uh, new recently. I haven't had time to watch anything new recently that I would recommend. But I did rewatch the Man Who Wasn't There, which is a Coen Brothers movie that I feel was unjustly forgotten. I yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. I I think that it. The, every day that goes by, I think that might be their best film. Really? Yeah. I don't know if I would go that far, but it's, it's a very strong movie that, you know, it it came, did it come directly after Fargo or directly yeah. after the Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah, it came, uh, was, I think it was even the same year as Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Or at least within the same 12 months. Uh, yeah. Because it was, uh, yeah, it came back to back really quickly and yeah for whatever reason i agree with you uh sort of slipped off the radar for whatever reason and i like oh brother we're out there a lot but i actually like the man who wasn't there better and i like the man who wasn't there better than some of the later coen brothers movies that have gotten uh, sort of more respect because it, it's it's more coheny mm-hmm. like the, it has a lot of distilled coheness and it's beautifully shot it's uh i mean it's it's a pastiche but it's not like slavishly so like it, it it has its own thing going on it manages to take all of these cultural like signifiers from the time period that it's it, it set in and turn them into something new and i feel like the end of uh, the man who wasn't there is actually deeply moving absolutely yeah i mean it's it's an incredibly funny film but at the same time there's like a rich vein of sadness that gets mined yeah. frequently um uh and yeah, Billy Bob Thornton's uh, uh, his his performance uh, I always find fascinating, and how much he's able to convey without uh, doing anything. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I think the Coens like I mean the the rap against them is always that they're like this, this these unsympathetic puppet masters, but I feel like I don't I I feel like that's people who I, I actually like I said this online like I was writing something I I, I feel like this is people who confuse being nice with being good like i i you know the coens do not ever you know uh allow their characters to get away with anything like they they cast a very stern eye on them but at the same time like there's a lot of sympathy and empathy there i feel like for their characters and um you know billy bob thornton is this guy who's caught up in something sort of larger that he doesn't ever fully understand, but it's 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 very sad and touching at the end, you know, like mm-hmm. where where he comes to. Stuart, what do you think? Well, guys, <clears throat> uh, I'm a, I'm going to recommend a movie that I saw recently, um, but I'm not actually going to talk very much about it because I think uh, I think a lot has already been said. Um, watched uh, Rambo: First Blood Part Two. <laughs> And there's this really awesome scene where he's shooting arrows at a village, and all the village explodes. <laughs> all the village explodes. Um, and there's this other scene where uh, this woman he loves gets shot with an AK-47, 
by a bunch of dudes with AK-47s. So he picks up an AK-47 and kind of fires indiscriminately at them. <laughs> and uh, one by one, they start falling down dead. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he fires way more bullets than would be in the uh, the, the clip. But that's, that's cool, because it's Rambo, man. Uh, so, yeah, Rambo, First Blood Part Two, Good movie. Fair enough. The full spectrum tonight of yep. recommendations. Laughs, sadness, and awesome battling. Hey guys, all about Steve. Yeah, uh, plugs. Anyone want to plug? I got to plug. Oh, something. you you wanted I got, to, you wanted to plug something. I got right, I got to plug something. First of all, uh, I'd like everyone to know that if you live in the Park Slope or what Windsor Terrace, no, I don't know. Uh, if you live near Flatbush, um, you should go to Charlene's Bar to watch the World Cup because uh, we just got a projector and it's really cool. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be serving bagels and coffee. Um, and I'm going to be there, so if you want to talk about soccer or crappy movies, I'll be there. And um, I'll be work. Uh, I got a job, Dan. Holy shit! I did, yeah. Talk uh, about burying the lead. I know. I'm going to be working a couple of a uh, couple of shifts at Prospect Park uh, for Celebrate Brooklyn. So if you want to see me working. now, this is a free concert series that Brooklyn puts on in Prospect Park. So, and if you want to see, uh, I have a free autograph from Stuart, you can come by and yell at me, and I'll sign something for you. Yeah, you'll be at the bar. Probably, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, as long as we're plugging things, um, I will plug 9ammeeting.com. Do it. My animated web series. Brock, would you like to plug uh, I'll plug whimquarterly.com, uh, the uh, humor magazine uh, that's currently now in its third issue. Uh, it features writing from people like Dan and uh, very uh, a lot of other very talented people. And it's, uh, it's a humor magazine. It's printed on flammable paper. You know, uh, the heat goes out one cold winter night. Uh, you're going to wish that you'd bought 20, so you have some kindling for the fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you it's, get some laughs, and then you uh, get a fire. Yeah, it's, you it, get bigger laughs as you watch it, you know, uh, Crinkle and burn in the flames. It's beautifully put together. If I was not a contributor, I would still enjoy this magazine. Um, so, guys, I guess that's it. Um, Brock, I hope that you uh, have lived to regret insisting upon a worse movie than Paul Blart Mall Cop. I'm going to ask for a secretly good movie for next time around. But, okay. uh, but yeah. thank you very much I'd for having me. Request one of those too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's this is. Uh, the second time that I've done it, and it's always a lot of fun. So uh, thanks for having me back. Well, thanks for coming. And uh, it's time to sign off for the Flop House. I've been Dan McCoy. I've been Stuart Wellington. And I've been Brock Mahan. Good night, everyone. Good night. You're taller than Elliot, too. I think that goes to your credit. I mean, I, I don't have any. I don't have a back a background in. I'm not a working screenwriter or anything, Dan. I'm not a working comedy writer. <laughs>